वेलकम टू सिंह टॉक द सिंह टॉक इज अराउंड द टेबल टूडे डिस्कस द चेंज कॉल डेवलपमेंट विल थिंक अबाउट चेंज एंड इट्स सब टाइप डेवलपमेंट आर इंप्रूवमेंट प्रोग्रेस एंड डेवलपमेंट डिफरेंट नोशंस वेन डिट चेंज स्टार्ट इन द वर्ल्ड what is the goal of development why are certain kinds of change welcomed and certain others resisted what has development done to urban landscapes are urban forms and societies more attuned to change how do new institutions come to be how does information circulate and flow are we in the grip of futurism and what is the likely future of development and will it always remain infinite we are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers with us here today professor tridee banerji he teaches at university of southern california his interests are in urbanization comparative urbanism development and the design of the built environment Professor John Harris is professor emeritus of international studies at Simon Fraser University in Vancouver. Originally educated as a social anthropologist, he has trespassed into other domains having interest in politics and political economy of development. His work has been mainly in and on India. And Professor Kapil Raj is a historian of early modern and modern science in a global context. His particular interests are in botany, medicine, law, language and geography. He is at EHESS in Paris. So John, why don't we set the ball rolling with you maybe with um, some kind of a recap of the journey of the idea of development. Where does it come from? How has it come to be uh where it is today? And was it ever uh was it ever somewhat counterintuitive or has it all did it land up as an obvious idea and has been so and has just changed its shape and form along the way take us through that journey what's happened how do you think of it okay um well i think it, it one way of starting a discussion about development is just to reflect on you know the meaning of, of the word in english or the different connotations of the word in in english Uh, and the one connotation which always strikes me and i think is sort of helpful in thinking about development um is the sense of development as realizing the potential that is latent in something uh, and one thinks of developing a film in the old days right. uh, you know developing the film was about bringing out the image that was latent a potential there in the chemicals on the on the film so that's how i think we uh, that's how i would like to think about development about bringing out the potential that's latent in something mm-hmm. there are of course as we will come on to discuss important connections between the the idea of development the idea of not just of change but of but of progress but i think you know thinking of the the history the trajectory uh, of what has come to be called uh, development um you know the big question is 
you know, what, what defines uh, progress? Progress in, in what direction? And progress has been seen um, very, uh, very largely um, since the Second World War or before uh, in terms of economic growth. And so development is very often understood in, uh, as meaning, yes, um, the growth of GDP. And but, one of the but development isn't or wasn't always e economic, right? Was it always economic? No, I, I, you asked me about sort of the history of, of yeah. development. I start with the idea. Um, I, I say, you know, bringing out the potential, right. the latent potential in something, um, make the connection with, uh, with, with progress. I'm saying that um, I think over the last 70, 80 years, development has very often been understood in terms of economic growth. Right. And, you know, something which I think is extremely important to remember is that gross domestic product, which has become such a sort of shibboleth, um, uh, it's the be-all and end-all uh, for most governments across the world. We really must remember that GDP is a construct. Mm. Um, but of course, I, for me, so important is the critique of the idea of development in terms of economic growth. And I uh, like to think of remarkable words, for me, remarkable words of Jawaharlal Nehru closing the debate on aims and objects before the Constituent Assembly in January 1947, when he said effectively, what is it we want this, this independence for? Okay, freedom, but then to clothe the naked people, uh, to, to feed the naked people, to clothe the masses, and to make it possible for every Indian to realize his potential. Right. And that's the idea that is picked up then uh, and elaborated, I think, much more recently by Amartya Sen with the idea of development understood in terms of uh, conditions, creating conditions in which people are able to realize their capabilities as, as human beings. Let's understand development in terms of people being able to, to do and to be what they things can be. so as to lead lives that they have reason to value. And that really is what's crucial for me in the, the concept of development. But how it's come to be sort of um, how it, that uh, idea has come to be deployed uh, in different ways across the world is, of course, another um, very long and complex story, which we'll come on to discuss. Kapil, you Where know. are you on this? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to add to what you were saying right in the beginning about where development comes from, yep. its meaning. And uh, yeah, just to add to that, it's a 17th century borrowing from France, from French, Mm -hmm. because it actually comes from the word développer. And développer is the opposite of développer, which means to wrap something. Unwrapping. So, so it's unwrapping. It's, it's a kind of unveiling, flowering. Unveiling, unfurling. It's a kind of flowering. It's a kind of flowering. Right. So in it, it has a number of meanings, a number of connotations. 
yeah. right from the 17th century onwards. Its first connotation are the precedent notions. Of, I beg your pardon. Are the precedent notions of no? There are no precedent notions. Its first use is oh. in 1653. Oh. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's no use of that. At least no recorded use of that. When we say there's no use of that, it's just that there's nothing in the records in the archives. I mean, there's no trace of this word before that. Sure. Uh, but uh, it comes. It's not a Latin word. Uh, it's a word from Celtic. And but then uh, the yeah, crucial the, thing is unfolding of exactly. What? But just a second. That's yep. the point. Yep. So it. So then there are many connotations, and one of the first connotations is to bring something into a fuller or more advanced condition. It has to do its so its first uses are yeah. in physiology, basically about organs, about organs developing, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. its first usage. It's also yeah. So that's and then after that it gets taken in into. Uh, the learned literature around medicine. Uh, after that, it also gets taken up not only about organs developing, but also about unnatural things developing, like warts, like tumors. Uh, yeah. So those are also developing, and then it's people use it in the other sense of unfurling, which is that something goes through successive stages. So there's the idea of in developing of process, which is another thing that you mentioned, John. Yes. So there, you know, it's a process, but all this happens over the years, over the decades, over centuries, and by the 18th, the end of the 18th, and especially the beginning of the 19th century, its first uses have to do with the idea of improvement or advancement of something. And around the mid nineteenth century, it becomes somehow linked to the notion of progress, but not quite in economic terms. Right. It's just one of those things. It's a basket of words that one keeps using around the idea that there is some sort of a march of civilization. This is a. This is the age when we have. A teleological notion of history, something where history itself—you know—there's a purpose in history. We're moving towards something, and that something is betterment, progress. And, and before is, that, there's yeah. another word, which is improvement. Mm-hmm. So the, the 18th century is the century of improvement. Not only—and here uh, we're using an English word, or it could also be a French word. It could also have its German connotations, but. It's German equivalent, but it also has equivalence translations, not translations of the word, but we could translate this word into uh, sort of contemporary words in other languages. Uh, there are words, for instance, this idea of improvement is very much there in uh, uh, in the Mughal world. May, may I just yes. interject and, 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 yeah. and, and we not giving Tradeep a chance to come yeah. in, but may I just interject? I have really understood, um, and I stand to be corrected uh, by you couple as a historian, that um, the idea of progress um, becomes really sort of significant in the context of the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment, after all, is a, 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 a critique 
um, of the uh, of the you know the, of the notion um, uh, for the religious sort of determination of uh, of, of of human lives. Um, uh, and I've sort of understood that the idea of progress um, sort of comes to it's a criterion of of uh, of moral direction, if if you will. What constitutes right action? is action that contributes to the progress of humanity. And it's a kind of moral progress rather than a material progress. I, am, am I wrong or is there something in that idea? You're completely right. It already has to do with the idea of improvement. As I said, improvement is not material improvement. Improvement has but to couple, do with the question the soul. Is, the question yes. is where... How does it get value laid and where do the values come from? Is there an answer to that? Well, the first values in this are religious values. Mm -hmm. uh, the word improvement itself mm -hmm. has religious values. In other words, it has to do with cleanliness. It has to do with godliness. It has to do with uh, having the means. So would it be fair to say that it goes from the relatively more personal domain and it travels out into... No, the first uses have to do precisely with the confluence of the moral, the religious, and the material. Right. The 17th century, almost everywhere in the world, is a century of some sort of promise of material hmm. advancement, let's say, to keep the sure. word progress out because the word yeah. progress is not yet associated with any of these things. Sure. But by the 18th century, yes, it definitely has to do with uh, these notions of uh, all these forms of precisely of, of a fuller, a more advanced condition where things are coming in together. And it's a confluence of a number of things. It hasn't crystallized into any one form. But definitely, like for instance, when Akbar conquers Gujarat, uh, the rhetoric is that it is for the betterment. Right. It's for the betterment of the state. Yeah, betterment is a good word. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, yeah, I'm using yeah. words just in order not to fall into the trap of using the very words that we're trying to uh, yeah. question. We'll get to that. We'll get to that yeah. couple and develop it and, further. But what yeah. I'm saying is that... Uh, that everyone is conscious of the fact that, you know, there is something better to be got from forms of government, uh, from uh, investments of all I kinds. I think the question, the question, and we should maybe get to yes. that in a while, is where does it come from? So you're saying it maybe starts off as a religious kind of notion and it then travels to... Well, it's what stands in the place of, of religion, actually. It stands in the place of religion. Uh, religion a, having been the basis for morality... We'll, we've now sort of rejected religious explanation, so we're looking for what the basis of of uh, moral action should be. That's sorry, the kind I mean, of I should, we should be leaving time, yeah, but just on. one little word in this. That's <laughs> yeah. that's that is one European way of looking at things. Another way is that. It's not religion, but it's the king's body because the king okay. represented mm -hmm. God. Right. It was the second body of God. And so the king did things, not necessarily because when we talk about religion, we're talking about the institution of religion. We'll but get to that. There's also couple. the institution of, God, of, of the king. 
Right. We'll get to that that and we'll unwrap it. Right, so, Trudeep, you, you heard a few notions here and there, and I'm sure there are things buzzing in your head. The, well, this is very enlightening, but this rather philosophical, uh, <laughs> historical, uh, and I have nothing to disagree with. I just wanted to say that the development is used with a lot of other contexts. Like you talk about cognitive development, you talk about moral development. But you do that, community you do that development. today. Today, yes, yeah, social course. development and economic development. And the develop the word term development has been is fairly new. I think, despite uh, Kapil's argument about its origin going back to the 17th century, it's not until uh, the end of the colonial era and the emergence of the new post-colonial world that we begin to hear about development. And the development uh, in the context of the developed countries and the underdeveloped countries. You mean with, as a state project? As or? a state project, as an international project. So this is the kind of thing the you know, the World Bank, the United Nations were involved. And I think what happened when the colonial powers left uh, the, the old colonies, I think they were embarrassed to find out what shabby state they left these countries in. <laughs> when the British left... Uh, the coffer was pretty much empty, and whatever was left, then India had to divide it with Pakistan. So these countries started the independence almost zero capital in the hand because the colonial powers had extracted all the values from the the world. So the so it is out of this embarrassment that I think there was a lot of interest among the um, uh, various foundations and uh, government. To, to start helping the developing countries. Uh, and they, so the term developed and underdeveloped became a kind of a common way of uh, defining it. But then there was uh, some embarrassment about that, that underdeveloped seems a little bit uh, derogatory. We should really be talking about more developed and versus less, less developed. So MDC, LDC and came LDC, along. Yeah. And Henri Gunder Frank, the Latin uh, American scholar, he said, no, no. We call us underdeveloped because let's but let's let's decide why are we underdeveloped, and his argument was that underdevelopment is the natural state. Undeveloped is like the way you folks have shown unwrapping it and so forth. So his argument was the development and underdevelopment are the two sides of the same coin. That you guys are developed because we are underdeveloped, mm-hmm. and so this argument then became a basis for the uh, the policy uh, uh, initiatives at the at the at the um, at the local level. And the other thing that I think the development term development implies that it's not a um, Adam Smith invisible hand. Development is a deliberate process. Right, it is, it is, and so you mean you mean there isn't just markets, but there's also state. Yeah, just you know, that's some right. kind there's of state. governance. And so the visible hand philosophy became more important uh, in the context of the development of the of the developing world, uh, which um, was not particularly embraced by the market economists because they believe that you know the best way to develop is not to intervene. But leave the natural market process take its course, and yeah, and and where and you are an urbanist, Trudeep. Right. Where 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 do where do the urban forms, the built environments? How how does that come into it? Not as a cause, of course, but how does that become the site of 
interrogating some of these questions and seeing well, what exactly well i i think that the the urban outcome is an important part of what we see as development mm-hmm. uh so uh, as you know as of um at the beginning of this this millennium now more than half of world population lives in living cities. in cities so the cities are the natural habitat for the first time in human history and the forecast is that this by 2050 this uh it will be like 60 to 70% will be urbanized the world population and most of that will happen in the developing countries what do we call today the developing countries and uh so uh so clearly if we want to look at development and its uh, implications of development and the outcome of development obviously cities are the places to look at the why world. why why i think one one can see that there's something coincident about you know urbanization and development um now looking at it from your lens what is it about cities that somehow make them the make them the venue where it manifests well for a, for a while of course the idea was that the urbanization is a result of development now uh there is uh interesting debate about whether um uh urbanization could be cause of development right so what's happening in in china for example china chinese new policy that came out they have decided to urbanize the countryside they figured that's the only way they can uh, uh, get rid of the rural poverty uh so urbanization and and, and and for you 3d because for you this lab a different register a different kind of valence what is urbanization i mean is it the same common sense notion that the three of us carry or what is it, um, it well there are some some census definition and all that every country has that's it. fine but uh the urbanization meaning that more and more people are living in cities or in urban settings or larger metropolitan conurbation areas uh so what is an urban setting it has uh, features like the personal density you can go back to the durkheim's notion of the 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 urban urban uh, uh, phenomenon uh people living close to close together uh it has uh you know street lights and uh electricity and water and all of that not always happening i mean there are examples on the edges of these metropolitan areas where you have what the indonesian called the sakota which is actually right. understandable in our indian uh, right. uh, language is a mix of both country and city kind of a transitional phase so a lot of the peripheral urbanization is taking place in that that sense and where do you stand on this is it the cause or or the result of it no maybe there's no one answer what is your instinct in this well the instinct of course is that the urbanization the spread the what's happening is urbanization is taking place as urban sprawl which is unfortunate because it's bringing all of the negative externalities of it's also of, localizing it it's all coming to it's, one place yes it causes more uh, pollution more no that's fine i think my question to you is on this cause result business of of whether urbanization causes development or urbanization is the result of development well maybe it, maybe this dichotomy itself is a false one it, it is probably yeah that way um i mean 
there's still sort of a debate, and, the, and I think World Bank claims is a development that leads what to urbanization. What is your instinct? Uh, my instinct is more or less that direction, I think, is that it's a development that causes urbanization, because largely development meaning basically the migration, transport of rural population to to urban areas and coming for jobs and economic opportunities, uh, and that and that leads to 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 the growth of the cities, right? But even in rural development, I think this is one of your questions: that the, when the rural areas grow, they become if that shows the success, economic success at the rural level, the rural areas grow and become uh, reclassified as urban areas. Yeah. So there's a birth of cities that's yeah. happening every decennial census. And these births are really the old rural settlements becoming prosperous and larger. Where are you on this, John? Because, you, for example, you've studied this village in Tamil Nadu for very many years. And can one look at those changes? And obviously, one cannot capture it all in a few minutes. But uh, where are you on this transition? Do you think of this transition from rural to urban as lying on that spectrum from less developed to more developed? Would you mind very much if I just went back a, no. a moment or so? I mean, I know that there's a great danger of kind of going round and round That's in circles. In uh, And I don't should simply round want round to repeat uh, points that Tradeep has made. But there are a couple of points that I think are, uh, are, are quite important here. Um, you know, one, I entirely agree. You know, d- development, I think, became a, 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 a conscious, deliberate project uh, essentially, in the post-war period, I think it, you know, it, it significantly anticipates yeah, fact, the end of of colonialism. A very significant moment, I think, was when Harry S. Truman, I think, in 1946, says, "We've won the war, but there's now a much more, a much bigger struggle ahead of us, and that is to tackle poverty." And the context of that, of course. Uh, was that of the fears in uh, in the United States and the West about the expansion of communism uh, uh, across the world, and that, that the the colonies, which certainly weren't going to remain colonies very much longer, you know, would fall into in into communist hands. And I, I, I want to mention that because I think it is extremely important, you know, to remember the political context um, of you know, the sure. origins and so on of the development project. Um, I also just wanted to make a, a, a little point. It's Perhaps it's a, it's a kind of a footnote, but it's one which intrigues me. And that is that very many of the first real uh, theorists of development, economists and others, actually came from Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Why so? Men like uh, Alexander Gershenkron, um, Paul Rosenstein, uh, Rodin, Albert A.O. Hirschman, Albert Hirschman, all came from Eastern Europe. And I, I, you know, I think for them it must have been the experience of coming from, from a, a much less developed in the sense of economic and social development, a much less developed part of the world to the you know to western europe and the united states which you know prompted thinking about how does one get what from it, from that it? state to to this state um which um you know 
maybe brings us back to what the... What does it mean, John, to be less socially developed? I think when you say less economically developed, one kind of knows that one is talking about some kind of poverty, well, lack and, of and, capital, and, but yeah, what does right. it mean to be less socially so developed? We, so we get to, as it were, the common sense understandings of what development means at, at, at that time and, and more recently. And Eastern Europe at that stage was seen generally, and I'm sure by those great thinkers, as being relatively backward in relation to the West because it was less industrialized, less urbanized. These are it all was... economic definitions, which is fine. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And because this is how development, you know, the, the conscious development project that I was talking about was a project of primarily economic and social development. My question and is... the uh, crucial thing was to industrialize. Right. That was what the development project was about. Right. We tackle the problem of poverty. We modernize uh, societies by industrializing. And industrializing, I think, means urbanizing as well. Or there's a, a kind of synergy between industrialization and urbanization. And I've now set the cat among the pigeons. So yeah, I'll stop. That, quite that, a few pigeons. Well, let, me, yeah. let me just comment. Okay. Okay. So, so it turned out that this is what India did. Mm. India's uh, initial policy was to industrialize yep. the import substitution process. Right. And now it has been found that that policy has failed miserably because uh, ultimately the, the, the rural development is completely ignored. So, so now so this, this is the idea of the top-down right. development uh, is now being replaced by an argument for the bottom-up development. Now, some of it may have come from the Maoist, uh, the Chinese success of modernization from rural modernization, uh, and to focus on uh, his point about walking on two legs, yep. that is the you know sort of balance between the yep. rural urban development. So I think that has been. Uh, uh, I don't know if the formally uh, Michael Lipton was one of the economists who wrote this book called "Why Poor People Stay Poor: Urban Bias in Development." So, uh, so in, there is an inherent urban bias in development because folks who make decisions to live in cities, uh, that's where the capital is, that's where the ideas is, that's where all the benefits arise from. Normally, people don't think about the rural areas. So, um, in India, I, I think uh, things have changed of late. I think there is probably more interest in rural development, electrification, and other. That's, coming that's quite late, uh, however. And so the future of the India, the poverty that we see in Indian cities, are still is a poverty coming from transfer from the rural areas, sure. because the rural areas are so poor. So that balance has to be achieved. That's then. right. Yeah. Well, uh, to come to jump in again, you know, on the same point of where development comes from, uh, and you know, because we, sh I think I'd like to go back again to the start of this new equation which was emerging in the 19th century mm -hmm. between uh, uh, the word development and this whole sort of complex of words. It's something like a, a nebula in which you have moral betterment, you have physical betterment, partly also induced by the promise of science and technology. 
don't forget that this is the period when, and everyone is looking at this. It's not only uh, people in the West. It's seen as a kind of savior. It's seen as a kind of savior. For once, we have material things which can actually come back into society and better people's lives either individually or else at a social level, at a community level. I think so. John used the word religion. Yeah. Yes, do you think it has that of kind course, of uh, it does. resonance? Of course, it does. It has. Mm. It's pretty much part of that. And there are some people in the 18th century whom we characterize as belonging to the Enlightenment. Some people, right? Uh, the French philosophers, half a dozen of them, <laughs> and about half a dozen. Uh, German philosophers, right, who did have a huge impact, but they weren't the only ones, right. Uh, English and British philosophers were all very, very uh, God-fearing people. They right. never put God into question, right. I mean, Newton, for instance, absolutely not. Uh, but nor did the others. You know, I mean, um, none of the economic thinkers actually thought that they were substituting for God. But there are always other parts of the world. But there are. So, uh, there so are uh, what the only there? thing is that, yes, but the thing is that we can discover the mind of God, the logic with which he is working was their idea. And once we've got the secrets, so then we can apply them. uncovering of secrets. Exactly. Again, yeah. it has to do with this latent notion of unveiling things, of unfurling. But it's, no, it's not called development mm. yet. Mm. It's a 19th century use. The first use is around 1840 or 1850 when the word development starts getting used for material betterment for economic betterment and for urban development. The word is used, for instance, you have developers. You know, this idea comes up at the same time. Real estate and developers. It's real estate development. So suddenly the word, you know, there's a conjunction of meanings which also come in into the urban space. And a new idea at the same it's accompanied by another idea, the idea of diffusion. That it's the urban space that produces and novelties, then it flows down into and the And then it trickles down to the rest of society. Which now is, this is an idea which is almost immediately challenged <laughs> uh, by a great historian, as a matter of fact, who puts everything upside down for the US. His name is Frederick Jackson Turner. The Turner thesis is no. American uh, advancement takes place on the frontier. It's called the frontier thesis. It takes place out in the country. That's where American society gets made, and that's the novelty of America, and that is what is the motor force of its now, un with under inverted commas, development. What is the that answer is, to this so, question, uh, John, of, of how does development happen? How? How does development happen? So right. let, let, let's let's say let's say of course it's a yeah. vague, probably a stupid question. No, it's a big question. That's not a stupid question. In, in, in the a sense that, so if you if if you look at this place, let which which one by some agreement labels less developed, let's say a village or something somewhere, is there is there a step by step process that leads to becoming developed? What happens? I mean, are there experiences that one can dip into to 
Um, Think of that as that a template that, of course, we've referred to the World Bank project and all sorts of other things. But I mean, there've there've always been templates. There've always been models. Um, I suppose the first model is that of uh, of Britain, mm-hmm. um, and and Britain developed through the Industrial Revolution. So we get a movement out of of of, of movement of labor um, out of ag- out of agriculture into into non agricultural activities, industrialization, and and that's the kind of standard model of economic economic development. The shift, going back to what you were talking about, thinking about before, the shift from a primarily agrarian society to an industrial urban urban society. Now, then, this idea, was it was it easily accepted in various parts of the world or places that you're familiar with? For example, you know, I think Kapil just spoke about the frontier thesis, which is a slightly different one. Now, if one were to say that, hey, look, you're less developed and you need to be more developed and so-and-so things need to happen. Oh, I well, think it's, uh, it, it's very clear that uh, development, the common sense sort of understanding of development, I think, has been in terms of, you know, the more in... The more industrialized you are, the more developed you 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 are, um, because being more industrialized meant being being richer. Um, of course, oh. things have changed a bit because uh, industry uh, uh, industry is uh, no longer the sort of major sector of uh, of of most of most economies. The development of a whole range of new sorts of activities, many of which are located in what's thought of as being the, the, the service sector. But I think historically, you know, development has been seen in terms of this uh, transition from, from a, an agrarian society to an industrial urban if, society. Um, if I may add to uh, John's <laughs> point, um, I, I guess. Do you know? Uh, do you know what I'm trying to get yeah, at? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, my my easy answer is: well, if uh, if you have lots of oil, that could help <laughs> uh, quickly to develop. But I would talk about. I think my question is: I mean, obviously, when we speak of things in economic terms, one is merely well, saying less prosperous to more prosperous. Right. One is saying, yeah, let's let's take it China. I mean, China's growth and development like emerging as probably the well second largest economic power. How did it happen? Um, well, they decided to become part of the market economy. But I think the real success lies in the fact that the socialist part of China actually prepared the workforce. So one of the things that happened during this, the socialist China is that women got the same level of education as men. Um, the women were part of the labor force very early on. And so a lot of, if you look at the, a lot of the, the labor that contributed to the China's manufacturing process, particularly the, the you know, high-tech information technology, they're largely women working in the, in the labs and stuff like that. Right. So education of women had a lot to do with the, the power of development. In fact, uh, there have been sort of empirical studies that shows the 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 trajectory of development is very closely related to the the uh, education level of the women and their participation in the labor force. And 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 again, the idea of development here 
is co-evil with the idea of progress, with the idea of... Uh, well... They, I think one is just trying to see whether one is generalizing sure, things a little bit sure, too much. That's, that's the other question. There. So is the Chinese outcome, is the, the, the desirable outcome for everybody? I mean, obviously, the, the, we still have a party controlled. It is fairly autocratic society. There are, you know, limits on your personal freedom. So if you... If you go back to uh, uh, John's reference on to Amartya Sen's development as freedom, obviously they haven't achieved the freedom part in the development, but they have material progress and all of that has uh, has achieved quite a lot. That's interesting. There's still quite a bit of poverty in China uh, that you don't see normally in the rural areas. But, uh, uh, you know, externally, it, there's no doubt that China has made an enormous leap in the um, after the uh, since the um, uh, Deng Xiaoping's uh, regime began, that's why. Um, Could I just yeah. come in for a, for a quick moment? I think um, your, your questioning uh, prompts me to want to say that I think that in the way in which development ha- the, in, through the history of of development, there is a major tension, mm-hmm. and it's a major tension between development understood as being, yeah, about economic growth and getting richer. And on the other hand, development being understood as being about improving the base of society as a whole. Um, you know, develop the development project is about tackling poverty, you know, going back to, uh, going back to Harry Truman in nine, 1946. Right. And a lot of the big sort of technical issues, policy issues have to do with the relationships between, you know, getting richer and whether people are, are getting less yeah, poor. Yeah, I want to you know? ask a point, I think, both what Kapil said about religion and science. And uh, going back to John's point, I want to mention um, Robert Redford, Field, I guess. Redfield? Redfield. Yep. I mean, he talks about the technical order and moral order. Right. And the development has both of this technical and moral order. But what is happening in many cases is the technical order is dominating, but the moral order is, in a way, suffering. And so, I mean, in a way, it's going back to this, your point about yeah. the scientists who were not afraid of God or, or were afraid of God. But uh, or they didn't dismiss God. That's so but incredible. Yeah. But how, no, how does one? Yeah. How does one think of? Can we bring history of science into this? Because maybe that's one place to, you know, eventually science. You know, I know we are using these in somewhat naive terms. These technology, it's accepted, and it obviously has a role to play in some of these things that we're speaking about. Now, obviously, there's such a thing as Western science. It goes to these different parts of the world. How is that accepted? How do the values travel? What are the cultural aspects that one needs to think about? Because obviously value cannot be stapled onto things later on. No? There's a way in which things are accepted or rejected. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, let's distinguish in your question two aspects of this. Sure. One is in the very question that you're asking, mm-hmm. you've already given me a certain idea of what science is, that it has values that it's mm-hmm. Western. Uh, now, these are things which we, in fact, take more or less intuitively to be true. Mm-hmm. And then we build up a whole discourse on them, as is the case with development. 
you know, we've already taken certain things for granted. And I think another strategy would be to actually differentiate these things and talk about science as it is understood by people and as it is mobilized in theories of development, because theories of development don't function just with money. They also function with investments, large investments in infrastructures. Uh, there's no such thing as development without developing universities, without developing education, whether you'll go to the World Bank or to the UN, um, any of its many organizations, starting with UNESCO, but uh, with all the others as well. You need these infrastructures. So let's try and look at development as science and as well as science and technology as phenomena inside of society without giving them their without loading them with further values in order to be able to analyze things because sure. if we load them with values then we've had it sure you know and so let's come then to uh, the way in which all these things, even science in the 19th century, doesn't mean science as it means today. What does it mean then? Well, it means there are two words over here. One is science with an S and uh, a capital S perhaps, and but it's singular. Mm -hmm. And the other is science as in physics or in chemistry, sciences. Right. Huh? These are individual subjects. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them, of course, develop in the West, but many of them develop in different contexts with the West, but elsewhere. Mm -hmm. For instance, in my work, botany does not develop inside of laboratories or inside of botanical gardens. In Europe, it develops, it has a completely different and un, uh, decentralized development. So does economics in that sense, and so does this idea of betterment, which we call uh, improvement at one point, then we call it progress. But all these things are linked with an idea of spiritual betterment at the same time as, as governmental betterment. In other words, better government of people, better health, uh, and so on. And by the, there is a complete narrowing and a unidimensionality which comes in at the end of the Second World War. All these domains. You think it all converges it there? It all converges and diverges. So mm. then development gets a different meaning. It gets a uni... A, 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 a sharper a, a, meaning. A sharper meaning, a unidimensional meaning. Yep. Science does as well. Technology does as well. Right. And when you start looking at these things, then you see that they're given different meanings. And these meanings are somehow meant to be able to be put together by certain people and not by others. So the logic over here is, for instance, development is something which is taken care of by the West through a capitalist model. It means not just telling people what to do, but it all is also linked to ideas of aid. Huge aid is actually given to countries. So is, is, is some of this uh, simultaneous with 
growth and development it's of new institutions new institutions because exactly. eventually for something like this to succeed so many things need to be need in to place. be put exactly yeah. so it's a whole question of a new let's say in philosophical terms a new ontology mm. a world which has new actors new institutions new ways of things relating to each other through a new grid so it's a new prism through which we are seeing the world and in this prism words like development which have an older meaning are now shorn of certain aspects you know there's no moral aspect in this anymore this is linked now purely and simply to money and then of course we start writing histories we write tunnel histories of this and show how from the 19th century or from the 18th century onwards you know this is the way in which societies have developed of course there are precedents to it you know right. marx for instance is looking at manchester uh in particular to see how capitalism develops but then for him capitalism is not an end all he wants a social you know he wants socialism to yeah. develop out of this so he's looking at the new contradiction in that but anyway i mean you've already got a certain vision of things moving and this is something which sort of you know latches itself onto earlier visions but also deforms and transforms those visions now there's no question of revolution after capitalism now it's a question of capitalism of money of the market being an end all and be all of so things. this convergence so, this yes. convergence really <laughs> what what does it what convergence i'm sorry and this convergence after the second world war where a lot of things come together and the idea of development becomes sharper as as one which is more about I, 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 that's I what i, I want, that's what you... i wanted to come in on mm-hmm. see it seems to me that uh, what happens at the end of the the second world war so we get a a a a, a cons- in the west certainly a a new really a new conception of of the state or a a a, a diff- somewhat different conception of the state of the state as actually being responsible uh, for the welfare of society as a whole and being able to draw upon science uh, to 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 do this uh, it's a very not technocratic kind of kind but of not path. only but not it's only the state in the west John. to plan the development but, but of not the only in the west not only in the west because this is precisely the soviet model as well yes. I, exactly I, I, in the sense that and, i suppose i suppose i was thinking of the, the soviets as being part of the west at this no, moment no no <laughs> yeah it is not i mean precisely yeah, yeah. it's not at this time no i, I, I yeah, and yeah. what i'm no, saying yeah, is yeah. it becomes a new model in which in which the state then looks after all these things but also the development science etc are all interlinked with each other and all interlinked in a quantitative way so it's a quantitative progress through money through sure. patents through publications everything is quantified so so that's right so what kapil is referring to is, is the globalization and the global economy so what I, what is setting the pace of development or pattern of development is largely the global economy and in fact the states states are losing their authority in, in the context of the global economy and globalization so cities for example are competing with each other in a global marketplace and uh, nations are competing with each other so how does that change the urban form how that, does it change well that means that the urban form becomes increasingly fragmented dualistic 
What do you mean by dualistic? Dualistic means that the one have an enormous concentration of wealth and power, as shown by the high-rise buildings and things like that. I mean, in the Kufi parade, the uh, I think the if so the high the rises point, and the are together. Land cost is the highest in in the world, right? Exceeding that of Tokyo. It's it's not all of Mumbai, just that one corner of Mumbai. And that's hard to think that the largest, most expensive real estate is of is in is the developing countries. So at the same the time, city you we're a, sitting in, s- sitting in. Same as uh, Darabi, uh, for example. I understand the um, from the Ambani Tower, you see a great view of Darabi, and that that contrast. Right. The high-rise tower surrounded by slum and square settlements. That's that's the dualist dualism dualistic which is a reflection of the uh, uh, income inequality and increasing inequality, which is the, the, the order of capitalism that uh, Thomas Piketty, the French economist, recently wrote that book on capital. Uh, and this is true just not does it, does here, it change, everywhere. Does it change the way uh, we interact with each other? Does it change the way information flows? Uh, because clearly the changes have to be more fundamental than... I think on the one hand, I would say that the, there is something to be said about the the information technology. I mean, it is interesting to see that a even in, in I guess I heard somewhere said in India that more people have access to cell phone than toilets, uh, and the fact that you can uh, you can make payments by what is it called pay something Python something like that. Just the taxi driver or whoever, I mean, they can eat that. So it's amazingly that has certainly changed. You would, you would call this development? Well, I, I guess. There's nothing wrong why, with why that. couldn't I call yeah. it development? Because it is going back to the Amartya Sen philosophy that it is increasing the capability the, of people, ordinary yes. people. Yeah. And, and that certainly is a sign of development. But the inequality at the same time is also increasing. It's at a global scale, and and it gets reflected in most more than anywhere else in the cities, the major cities of the world. Uh, from if you go to Dubai or Abu Dhabi, you have these wonderful high-rise buildings, but the labor that's producing those buildings, so the construction of the highways and freeways, they're living in largely in labor camps brought from India, Pakistan, sure. Sri Lanka, Philippines, so forth. So. So that's sort of one kind of a change. I think that's affecting development. And the other thing that we haven't talked about is the effect on the environment, yeah. the enormous cost of the environment. So the, if you look at the, the ecological, the carbon footprint of cities, that, those are enormous. Uh, not only going, I mean, I was uh, seeing an ad in the television about this woman talking about how uh, the the coming crisis of water, and if uh, we don't do anything in two years, Delhi will be out of water in two years. I'm not sure that's quite the case. Sure. But the water shortage is another sort of a coming crisis in in India, in other developing countries, uh, as well as loss of uh, you know ecological system, forested land. Uh, natural uh, ecology being completely uh, destroyed. We are talking about the Mumbai, the uh, immersion of the Ganesha statues. Well, that's right. So, 
what lies ahead john i mean you see you've kind of seen this a little bit and is i think the other thing i want to ask all of you mm-hmm. is whether you think we are somehow under the grip of some kind of futurism you know some some kind of thing ahead which is somehow always better which is the whole idea of progress that somehow whenever it happened for the last 100 150 years somehow the good thing is ahead of us and it's worth marching towards now the whole that the two notions here right of whether this is an infinite notion of whether we can always keep progressing even if we tackle some of these externalities let's call them that along the way um where are you on this instinctively philosophically um, how how does how does one think of that and and and, and yeah what lies ahead well for one thing uh, i think that uh, the 19th century was a century largely of optimism yeah and yeah i mean you know it was a century if you even look at the history uh, of economic thought economic thought was all about supply including marx it's all about you know it's infinite you, you never bothered about demand you never bothered about demand demand and this becomes it starts becoming a problem at the start of the 20th century but then again i mean you know after the second world war especially with the polarization of the world and the fact that economics then becomes the way in which one looks at the futures of societies yeah. you know industrialization um all the definitions everything that we put into this word development at that point and all the material uh things that go with it in other words development is not just a concept it's performative it's a way in it which it has to be done it has to be done in other words you have to invest money and which means it has to do with policies it has to do with certain advancements and with the promise that the world will always be better you know so and we'll your... be able to through science and technology better the world and then what happens is already in the 1960s there's the first disillusionment a big disillusionment with this of which you know things like the hippie movement but also things like various protests and in general a disaffection with this notion you Didn't know there's some longer sort of, just 100 years to go from hmm. having a sense of optimism to, to protesting against to the very world you're looking it, for then of course you know already in the 1980s you come upon things like the ozone uh, you know the whole uh, hole in the ozone uh, yeah. 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 and you know people are thinking about this they're skeptical everything is you know skeptical and but no longer does science hold an answer or the promise of an answer to things i was working in unesco at that point and one of the questions that was raised by a number of member countries was why should we invest in science and technology including some european countries which were mm-hmm. behind this you know mm-hmm. why this investment what is science going to do for us part of our problems come from this scientific investment and so there's already a tempering so, so of the, so this so this so this staging that you referred yes. to of going from traditional to pre-modern to modern or whatever uh, yeah you know, whatever is and is the, the, the postmodern the post uh, but the postmodern <laughs> the postmodern is in part uh, the stage a questioning of, of the modern of modernity, of, modernity yeah, yeah. of the fact that we are this hasn't got us that way besides after that there's more than just a disaffection there's a positive suspicion of this particular 
equation between development, science. It's not science as such, but it's where in are, this where, context. Where, where are you on this? Now, uh, this is, where am I on, on this? On this question of whether development equal to yeah. progress. Yes. Is it infinite? Or no, it isn't infinite. It isn't infinite. Besides, I mean, we, uh, that's what I'm saying, that we are looking at this right now. And I don't, I don't think it's infinite, but I don't think that many people today think that this is infinite. One of the major problems today is to stop this development. Stop this. Uh, you know, these are the, uh, the demonstrations that are taking place. This is in part Greta Thunberg. Uh, and uh, the young people who are telling us, listen, you have a responsibility in this. Is this Stop it immediately. But, it, but it's, where, where it's not is stopping there, there development, here? it's yeah. rethinking it, yeah. isn't it? What? Stopping you this know, development, I, this form, this logic of development. It's rethinking it. How so? Please rethink it for us. I'm, I'm well, sure I it's think, more complex you than know, that. Very interesting to me was the kind of rethinking in the pages of the Financial Times in the autumn of last year, of 2019. Um, the Financial Times, a series of articles about the need to restructure the corporation, that uh, it's no longer good enough for corporations simply to look after the proverbial bottom line. Corporations have to be concerned with questions basically of environmental uh, and 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 social justice. Okay, that's one. Uh, and so I, you know, I think there is a lot of a lot of re rethinking going on in in that way. I mean, I'm so pleased that Trudy so brought broadening. up the environment because yeah. you know it is the it is the big elephant in the in in the room now. Um, uh, and um, you know, what, there's what? no question in my mind that the, that you know the biggest challenge is. Uh, that of it's not just climate change, but of environmental uh, degradation, which of course we see uh, so so visibly uh, in uh, in this country. So you know, so the development has to be redefined. And the problem is, I don't think we have ever fully defined the performance measures of development. What is development? What is betterment? Betterment for whom? In what yeah. way? So, so the back to sin. <laughs> back to sin. So the one is the increasing inequality. A uh, lot of issues about fairness, equity, justice. These are the, the young people yeah. who are yeah. asking mm -hmm. for, and also the sustainability of can can the the pace and order of development that we have pursued and succeeded are they sustainable in the future? I mean, so. The sustainability is, is a big, big issue. And again, I mean, we have reached a point with the climate change and global warming that uh, there is, we don't know, we have reached the point of no return, which is scary in many ways to think about. So, so you know, I come from California. So, but really, these are questions, and I think that it seem like valid questions, so it's fine. I think the question is, that from there, one needs to refashion it. One needs to still live, do something, have have a certain underlying metaphysics of the way the world is supposed to head. Yeah. Um, and and so, how do you refashion the world? Well, that's why I think the uh, <laughs> you know there are maybe sort of. A th so uh, obviously, how do you refashion the world as an urbanist? Because in in, in the domain that. You're somewhat familiar with. 
I don't know if you can point to any particular model of, you know, go to Singapore or go to, you know, Hong right. Kong or anything like that. <laughs> because there are no optimal answers. We don't even know what the optimal is. Degrowth the like. answer? Sorry, is degrowth the answer? Because if if or it seems to be implicit in some of what you're saying that the definition has become just way too economic. Uh, GDP is. Yeah. Whatever, it's fine. But, it has but, some. You know, <laughs> what what does I don't degrowth I mean? What does growth mean? mean? I mean, uh, you know, uh, growth growth is measured, uh, you know, in terms of volumes of money. I think the where question... does where does money come from? Money comes from somebody flicking a switch in a flicking a switch in a bank in a central bank. Yeah. Uh, not in a central bank. In a central not bank, only yeah. in a central bank. Uh, you know, you're a banker. I come to you for a for a loan. You know, you you press a button and you advance me. You advance only me. Only if it's on my balance sheet. You've, you've, I, you've, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, we have to interrogate the, the 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 sort of simple notion of of growth. Which is, uh, you know, forced upon us all the time by the pressure that comes from governments for the expansion of uh, of of of, uh, of of GDP. But I, rather than degrowth, I I actually want to suggest that I think that uh, uh, in many ways I think we'll go back to the future. You mean so a more traditional? I, I mean, I think that traditional values. I, I think we are actually probably going to go back to um, much more sort of localized uh, supplies of of food and so on. Right. I I suspect. Yeah. Um, you know, but we are. I hope going to stop. Um, you know, shipping. Um, different kinds of beer that are actually all the same, um, but just have different labels on them uh, From around Australia the world. That's to perhaps Canada. not a very good yeah. example, but yeah. we're, we're going to stop expecting necessarily to eat asparagus uh, in every month of the year, um, because so, because we recognise so that we can't go on. So consumption becoming more local. Yep. Consumption becoming more seasonal. Yeah, as which which means that you know the way nature produces that way you consume you don't don't solve for shelf life solve for what's there. No, but, but yeah, the, but you know I mean but my but problem the, there is that over here now we're getting into futurology. Uh, In other words, we are trying to find <laughs> solutions. My 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 question or my appeal today would be much more for us to begin to rethink things. Whatever the solution might be, it might be more. Local, it might be less local, that's not the point. The right. thing is that if history gives us some, something to think about and if this idea, you know, from improvement to progress to development means something, that so what means do you think, what do you we, think have follows? To think, we have to follow some, I mean, we have to rethink these equations out differently and not be afraid of changing vocabularies. History has taught us that we've changed our vocabularies as we've changed the content so let's that we do that put now, into things. Let's do that and now. instead of instead of just talking about things in terms of the words that we have, in terms of words like development, growth, etc., and I completely agree, we don't throw growth out to put degrowth into its place, but sure. we but we have to put things like 
uh, you know, moral, environmental, health, uh, mm. and equality amongst ourselves. Yeah. Again, oh, no. back, and not only amongst human beings, but between human beings and the world in which we live. I, I would ask so. Which needs also to be put in, because in that old equation with, with uh, uh, progress, etc., we hadn't put the world into it. We hadn't put the environment. We hadn't put nature into this. We need to also today use this moment when to uh, to put so in all broader, these broader, more cosmological, more cosmo. Yeah, come yeah. back to it, and that's part of the I, thing also with Sen, with everyone else that we've been talking about. And then let's see what sort of an answer we get. I, I would add to that the notion of compensatory development that we comp compensate Mother Nature for all of the... We comp compensate the uh, the folks who are in poverty, who have been exploited, and uh, we... But, but yeah, I think we're going down a rabbit hole, but all growth and all development is not exploitative, right? Of course, some of it must be and could be and should be, and it probably is, but anyway, I mean, that, that that's a different rabbit hole, so... Um, well, I mean, uh, I, that you have to begin somewhere. Uh, we talked about, you know, sustainability. As a, I mean, these are the very common word being used everywhere, although it's still not very well defined what that means. Um, and um, so the, those are the challenges that remain. In, what do you think happens 100 years out, 200 years out? happens, not what you wish happens, of course. Our wishes are a part of the equation and it does change things somewhat. But if you had to make a prediction, Kapil doesn't like futurology, which is fine. But if, if we had to Because take, he's a historian. Because he's a historian. Futurology <laughs> is based on history. You cannot predict unless you understand the past. Right? What do you think yeah, That happens? was exactly what I was saying. Let's what? go back and take a lesson from the past. Where where do you see this notion of development 100, 200 years out? 100 and 200 years out. Uh, you know, in planning, we have given up the idea of long-range planning. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so you're asking me to think uh, long-range. I'm not sure that... Uh, the, maybe what, some other notion... What is interesting that... is the... Oh, and a little bit of concern is the uh, the notion of AI, artificial intelligence, and and what that would do to future of work, yeah, future of labor, future of human relations. Well, everybody can make music and make paintings. It's, it's just yeah, I mean a lot of surplus. Um, you know, elderly retirement homes uh, instead of a nurse serving them. You know their medicine and their other care. The robot will come. In fact, Japan they're already using robots to deliver uh, elderly care. Yeah. Elderly care. So that's a little bit scary. If and there's a question of you know again talking, that's where this question comes of where do values come from? Because you know when when that day arrives, for all you know, we'll all be clapping and welcoming it because, you know... Yeah, so, for example, the autonomous vehicles, which are reality, which, in fact, in another four or five years, you're probably seeing a lot of autonomous uh, vehicles. So what what does it mean for the social relations of social life? 
So if you are uh, at least when you're But driving, have you, so you, you have to look. You look at the city. You look at the landscape. But if you're an autonomous vehicle looking at your iPad and not making any 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 stimulus received okay. from them, I mean, there have been weirder changes. So <laughs> yeah, so that doesn't mean that we're becoming increasingly withdrawal, going through a withdrawal mm-hmm. autonomy syndrome, and lose our ability or interest or capacity to interact with other with the world with the world or social social contact. It's already happening in the in the uh, the iPhone and the, the social media thing. The the kids are constantly looking at their cell phone. I mean, i smartphone because they have this phenomenon called FOMO. You ever heard about the FOMO? Yeah, fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you go to open public space; they all go there. But they're not making a social contact, or maybe your you know. elders were complaining about you when you were a child. To these, <laughs> and elders are always complaining. Well, <laughs> what happens maybe, in the future? John? Maybe, but not not <laughs> in that that's way. That's the quarrel no, between sure, because our, sorry, the modern sorry, technology <laughs> then was not all that of different from not. our elders. Right? Only in a yeah. sign. No, the elders are getting the technology too, so they're yeah. also probably doing the they're same thing. They're in the same thing. park, <laughs> looking at the same. Food. What happens, John? Two uh, hundred years out, hundred years out. I do, this I notion do, of development. I do wonder. You know, I mean, I grew up in a in into a world in which you know I fairly confidently expected that in different ways things would be better next year than they'd been this. And I think my kids and my grandchildren are grow, growing up in a very different world. I mean, I guess that there's a great danger that uh, that you, you know you can say to me, but older people have always have always thought that. But I I I really do believe that the world that my grandchildren are growing up in is a world in which there is a you know a huge amount of of anxiety, precariousness. You know, the world of work is characterized by high levels of precariousness, of precarity these days. Um, wherever we are in the world, here or in the United States, or you know, right, um, where, 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 wherever. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I, in various ways, I, I do think that you know there is going to be have to be a kind of a little bit of going back to the. Going back to the the the, the, the future, basics. back to back to a world uh, in which uh, you know we have stronger stronger communities, higher levels of of solidarity. You know, um, addressing the kinds of problems that uh, that Tradeep is uh, is talking about of. So we'll end isolation, with you, alienation yeah. uh, in, in our society. We'll end with you, Kapil. I know you hate to predict, but make a prediction what happens. Well, uh-huh. I, won't make, I won't make a prediction as such, but I will by making a prediction. And that prediction is that if we don't do anything very soon, we're not going to be able to have the luxury even of rethinking any of these terms because there's something else that's moving faster than us, and that is the march of nature today, given uh, the present-day equations and the dynamics of the world, the planet Earth, uh, on which we live. And uh, my appeal today is that if we want to think 100 years from now, 
we'd better start getting back to the drawing board again and rethinking these things, not only for ourselves, but above all for the generations that follow us. And this is our responsibility today. We cannot just think in terms of, you know, of numbers and of equations and of either going back to, uh, to the future or to the future of the future unless we go back first and foremost to the, to the drawing board, bring all these elements together, not only us, but above all involving everyone else around us, especially the younger generation. Good. And their world. I mean, that's their future. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to all of you for making it. And we look forward to having you soon again. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.